What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. Proud member of Underdog and the Underdog Fantasy Family. Well, guys, we have not seen you all in a while. Uh, it's basically we're we're back. We're back to uh, a new season, the 2024 baseball season. We took a little bit of a break, well deserved from the team here. Because we put 110% of everything we do into all our shows. And we want to hit the reset button, come back even stronger. And now that we're in the new year, 2024, uh, we wanted to make sure we started hitting these position previews that we're about to give you with everything we've got. Of course, there's been tons of free agent signings, uh, mostly all by one team, of course. Some new rules implemented for the upcoming season. But the same core four are here to try to help you break it down the best way possible. We start out, of course, we look at everybody on the screen here. The man down diagonally from me, who I always usually introduce first, he is, uh, we call him a little cheesecake around here for those new to the show, the LC for short. Even though he's never short when speaking, LC, how are you doing? You caught me already because I, I, I wanted to just, you know, tell you guys I missed you. You know, I missed talking baseball with you guys and, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's nice, you know, when you're, when you're gone and, and you, uh, you know, Marty and I were on a draft with, on Bubba and the Bloom. We, we, uh, we were, took part in their gladiator draft and, uh, Bubba took time to shout us out and talk about how we were coming back. And it's nice to know that the people, you know, you, you, you listened to before you even started this missed you, uh, missed you being gone. Of course, we missed our fans and, uh, missed you guys a lot. It's great to be back talking baseball. I'm a few drafts in already. I'm, I'm ready to go. So what we like to hear, and I actually was talking with Bubba last night as well, and uh, same kind of things he was just saying. It's good to, to see us back because it's good just to be back in the baseball universe, back to uh, being with the awesome community that is the fantasy baseball community. Uh, but you see the guy to the left of Little Cheesecake. This is somebody who... He threw a lot of parties on this podcast last year, and he always keeps it stylish with the many hats you'll see on the show, and apparently glasses now, too. And he plans to have so much Tariq Skubal this year that he plans to drown in it. It's Marty Party Tallman, baby. What's up? Great to be back. I have a lot to say about uh, a lot to say about Skubal, and it's not going to be positive, but we'll save that for, for a different show here. But no, uh, Art said it all. Uh, great to be back. Um, missed every single one of you. Uh, missed our people, but um, yeah, it's time. Twenty twenty four baseball. Let's do it. I we will have to talk about that because he's probably the highest drafted tiger in five years. Is that crazy to say? Maybe more. Yeah, whenever Miguel was, whenever he was bopping, two thousand seventeen, eighteen, he was probably top Man. three or four or five. And yeah, he is out on his the highest rated tiger since then. We will dig into that. I'm sure. Over Nola, over Webb, over Valdez, over Snell. Everybody loves him. No thanks. Well, but like we'll, we'll get into it. It's first base today. That's right. The other guy that's next to me, I've had the privilege to know for thirty years, and sometimes I need sticky notes for all of the inside jokes we have between each other. He'll come from left field with some takes, but then he blows in uh, and makes sure he knows when he's right. It is Doc Mendelson. Rounding my age up a year, love it, David. Thanks for making me feel old, but uh, let the others send uh, echo just. Great to be back. Talk baseball. Done with football. Still doing basketball, but I can handle two sports at a time. I'm ready right. to dive like, in. 
football just ends, so baseball starts right back Bo up. Jackson. He's the Bo Jackson of fantasy sports. He really is. Kinda. Doing a little bit of everything helps keep TPF afloat here. Uh, but yeah, like as we touched on during the show, we're going to start talking about our position previews starting tonight with the first base position. And what we're going to do is, if you've watched us in the past, we use NFBC ADP just because that does a nice job of, I think, giving us an idea of how a lot of drafts will go because we do most of our drafts on the NFBC. And this is dating back to December 15th. So you have about three and a half weeks-ish of ADP and about 70, just slightly over 70 drafts over that time. And this is going to be interesting just to see. Obviously, Marty Party picked a good starting point because it was after the glass now trade to the Dodgers, where I think really started seeing things shake up. Obviously, Yamamoto now is also on the Dodgers. There's so much free agency movement we're not going to get on here tonight. But we are going to talk about first basemen tonight that go in the 1 through 10 to 11 through 20 and then after 20 range. We're going to give you our loves and our hates in each of these categories for you for when you do your drafts to figure out who you want to take early and who you want to wait on till later. So, Elsie, again, we have the NFBC ADP. I will put it up on screen so people can see it. Uh, but I want to start with you. Give us in your 1 through 10 first baseman, who do you love? in this range uh i i wanted to start off by saying i didn't like pete alonzo because of his batting average last season uh so i was looking into him and i started to really love him as i was going through the uh going through my research on him because that batting average really he didn't deserve that batting average his batting average as far as like the the point value it got you was the worst among all first basemen because he did it over 660 plate appearances almost, and he hit 217. However, if you he was the fourth most valuable first baseman overall, even with that terrible batting average, and that batting average was well below his expected batting average. He has massive power. He hits, uh, has good runs, good RBIs. But the batting average, I think, is going to come back up because he didn't experience a dip in zone contact rate, didn't experience a dip in batted ball quality. What you did see and what I want to see uh, change is his swing percentage dropped a significant amount, about 10%. He was about 66% swing percentage down to 60% swing percentage on zone uh, zone pitches. I want to see that jump back up. I think that is a big cause driver of his, um, of his batting average drop. As far as what I could see that that was the only outlier sort of statistic that really stood out to me. Um, but I think where he's going, he's the currently, I think the fourth, uh, first baseman off the board. I think he could outperform Matt Olson easy this season, who is going as the second first baseman off the board. He's got that massive power, which always comes through. And his batting average has usually been 260 and above. And I think it's going to go back up to 240, 250 at least. And he's going to give you that value as a top two or three first baseman. And you're getting a little bit of a discount from where Olsen's going in the second round. I feel like, because I know we're going to talk about uh, Olsen a little bit, or Alonzo a little bit more. I feel like this was the conversation we were having about Matt Olsen last year. Because Pete Alonzo was going number two. And Matt Olson was going a little bit down. I think he was like uh, four, five, or six. And people were like, why would I take Pete Alonzo when I can just take Matt Olson? 
you know, a couple rounds later. And now they've kind of flip-flopped where it's like, why am I going to take Matt Olson when I can take Pete Alonso, you know, a round or two later? And everything is still there, like you said. I mean, he's arguably maybe outside Aaron Judge, the best home run hitter, pure home run hitter in all of baseball. 46 homers, 118 RBIs, second in all of baseball in RBIs last season. The 217 batting average, like you said, isn't great, but that's a very much not the norm for him. The expected batting average last year being 241. So that's all something I think we can expect a nice bounce back from him. And obviously the injuries didn't help, even though he did end up playing in 154 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I think we know what P. Alonzo is at this point, and uh, we're getting a little bit of a discount right now. And I think that's very appealing here uh, for Pete Alonzo. Plus, uh, for the six of those weeks, he was nursing his wrist because you remember he got hit by a pitch and he came back a little bit earlier than he probably should have. Mm-hmm. And so another six weeks of him not being able to hit the ball or even see it that well, because he talked about that in an article for The Athletic. Pete Alonso is going to ba- bounce back big this year. I think he was as well. But there is somebody else, and I know you and Doc are kind of tag team on this. I, I like um, Pete Alonso, like, just like uh, LC is saying. But I think we have to mention who, Marty, you said you already have three drafts with this player. Doc yep. also loves this player. This was a player that was going in... I believe he was the number one first baseman last year, if I'm not mistaken. It was either him or Freeman. I have to double check that uh, in terms of draft. But now he is the number five first baseman in Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who disappointed slightly last year. Doc, I'm going to let you start off here. Why do you think Vlad Jr. is a value going off the board right now around pick 33? Well, I think the big thing that people were disappointed last year was his power. He had 26 home runs, which... I mean, you'd obviously expect more out of a first round pick, but I'll tell you what I like about Vlad. I think this is the lowest his draft price has been, um, in a full season. His durability, he's missed nine games over the last four seasons. Last year, he had the lowest K percentage of his career at 14.7 and the second highest, uh, walk rate of his career. So, you know, we, David, you talked about a couple of years ago, just how he was improving his eye. I know that was a, you were really high on him during his breakout season. I contribute the lack of power to the Blue Jays changing the fence. And maybe Vlad isn't a 40 home run hitter, but he's a guy that drives in a hundred plus every year. Um, he has le- above league average batting average in all five, uh, lat or the last five seasons, 90 plus RBIs in the last three. He had 123 runs in 2021, which led the league. So. And, and just to kind of top it off, 91st percentile on average exit velocity, 96th percentile on uh, expected batting average. So you're going to get a guy that plays, makes contact, and hits the ball hard. And if you can get that in the third round, I think that's a value. Yeah, I know Marty's going to add on this as well. Uh, you know, going as the number five first baseman off the board is a big difference from going in the top two off the board as he was where he was a borderline first, second round pick. Uh, I mean, the K percentage is is amazing for first base, you know, under 15% last year while still walking at a nearly 10% clip. Expected batting average actually a little bit higher than his 264 batting average. Still gets on base at, you know, a 350 clip, 345 clip, which isn't bad. I think everybody's going to point to, as Doc mentioned, the biggest thing people are concerned about is the power. A 444 slug leaves a lot to be desired. It's very just, it's just slightly above the major league average right now. And that's not what you want from the first base position, especially somebody that you were taking in the first couple rounds here. But Marty, again, you are also high on him going where he is. What would you like to add to Doc's points? Well, I love I love his floor. 
I mean, I know you're paying for it. I got him in the third round. This is the way I started off uh, my draft. I was the second team. First, I started with Bobby Witt, got Luis Castillo, and then Vladimir Guerrero. So, I mean, if you're able to start off with, you know, a top bat, uh, ace, and then you get Vlad, I, I mean, that's the floor on that's incredible. Um, Doc talked about it. Obviously, the power numbers were down, but his contact rate was still great. His exit velocity was vintage him, and his launch angle was in perfect shape. It's exactly where you'd want it to be. He did uh, sprain his knee early in the year. Um, so it's a potent, you know, it's pot- uh, potentially a thing that kept, you know, lingered with them throughout the, the season. So you're going to get extremely good batting average. And that's something that's an area of emphasis for me this year is really focusing on getting your, you know, getting your big counting stats and your home runs, but also making sure you're able to keep your batting average up. And Vlad offers that and he probably hit around 285, 290. Uh, with those, even if it is 30, 35 home runs, that's going to do you a lot of good. Yeah, it is. And again, like you mentioned, it seems like the floor with him feels pretty safe at this point. Obviously, again, you're concerned that there might not be the power you want, but I guess at this point, you're kind of expecting a 25 homer season. No, kind of- I, I still think he's th- a 30, around the 30 range, you know, he, and I, and it's in his area of outcome to get over 30 plus. I mean, he's, he's barreled the ball 15% of the time in 2021. So he's flashed that tool and we have to remember he's only 24 years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's possible he's getting better. It's very true. I mean, he could. Um, again, I think draft value is definitely a big thing with him right now. Um, and obviously, people, how they want to build their teams. We haven't gotten into it yet, obviously, being the first episode of the offseason. But many people have talked about this year going hitter aggressive to start the draft, you know, going hitter, hitter with their first two picks. And I think people preferably looking for hitters that give you multiple categories, you know, preferably like those five category type players. Vlad, if he's not hitting 30 plus home runs, Marty, you are optimistic he can, then he's not giving you any speed. Yeah, he'll give you some RBIs. Batting average is decent, but like he's not the typical player I think people are looking for right now early in drafts. And that's where the one thing that does concern me about him is when you're taking him with your second or third round pick, is he somebody that can help you enough in a few categories to really be a difference maker? And that's, I think, the biggest questions for him. Although I do think his his value right now definitely helps make it a little easier to uh, take the chance on him. Let's go to the players. Actually, before we do that, what do you guys think about Tristan Casas? Because I was kind of between him and Pete Alonso for this category. And I think Tristan Casas is the number 10 first baseman off the board right now. Uh, you know, he's going right after Spencer. I would take him over Spencer Steer any day of the week. Obviously, they're not big difference. It's 107 to 108. But I think, I think just Tristan Casas is being a little bit slept on because of how slow he started. But I mean, if you just look at his second half numbers, hit over 300, 317, a 417 OBP, 617 slug in the second half. His 1034 OPS was fourth. In, ML, in baseball and best among active players who uh, played in the AL in 2024, minimal 150 plate appearances. He was third in rookie of the year voting. Obviously, you know, that's not everything. But at the end of the day, he looked like he made solid improvements. And uh, he just looked like a cornerstone of, for this franchise. And they pretty much have treated him that way, even playing him against lefties down the stretch, which he was struggling with. And he showed improvements there, even though he still has a high strikeout rate against them. Do you guys feel like this is the 10th first baseman off the board that he is a value or are you staying away? 
I think it's an interesting range for first baseman right there. I think Casas is somebody who, um, who has a, a, a widespread of where he's been going. And you'll see, I think he might start creeping up because of what the, the things that you talked about. I do have some worry about that first half. Uh, it did show a little bit of a hot and cold streak, but I do think that as we talked about on our second half breakouts, uh, pod a few weeks ago, that there is a potential star turn breakout here. And there is, you know, I, if you're drafting them high, it's because you see the potential for that star turn breakout that continuing in the second half for the entire season. But I, I think it was a hot second half. Um, that, that is not like a full season sustainable thing for Casas, but I definitely could see him improving on last season's numbers, uh, pretty easily. And a 25% K rate, 24% in his first season in Boston in those 27 games. So he seems like he's settled in right now, you know, somewhere in that 24, 25% K rate range, which, you know, slightly above major league average, but that's not unbearable to have. Combine that with a 14% walk rate too. Like there's a lot to like here. I like where, I like where his value is. And I think if he's going to be an everyday player, then that's appropriate for ADP. And it's whether you want to take the risk, um, you know, or, or be rewarded with that. I mean, you're not going to get steals from him. He has one in the, uh, 159 games he's played in, but he had 131 runs plus RBIs in 132 games last year. I imagine they hit it. They have him hitting probably fourth or fifth. Uh, you know, I imagine Devers is hitting above him. Um, he's somebody that I, I'll want to get a couple of shares of. Yeah. I think again, it's, it's, a lot of the name is going to come to where are they going? And he's the 10th first baseman off the board. I will take it again over Spencer Steer, who's going ahead of him right now. Um, looking at it also, like uh, maybe not over Paul Goldsman or, or Christian Walker. Um, Cody Bellinger had a great year last year, but I know we're going to talk about him at least one of, or maybe multiple of us. I about- want to say real quick on Casas, the, his year ended because of the shoulder in- injury. So mm-hmm. I'm going to want to see him. I want to hear some positive reports in spring training. It's going to be very important to see if he has power because um, that's what ended the season. So who knows? we got to keep an eye on that. And maybe that's why his ADP is down as the 10th rate first baseman. So it could go up if he does look like he's uh, back to what he was last year. So that's a good point there, Marty. Let's go to the players we're not liking so much that go in the top 10 and we're choosing to wait on better value. Uh, let's start with you this time, Marty. Who in the top 10 do you find yourself not wanting to draft? It's Bellinger. And it, there's, there's nothing ground, no groundbreaking analysis here. Um, there's just too many questions. Can he, number one, can he replicate his outstanding contact rate? It was, I mean, he was one of the best, you know, hitters, uh, contact rate in baseball. Will his power ever come back? What team will he play for? Um, his expected batting average did not support his batting average. So, if his average does fall, what's that regression look like? And from where I'm drafting at this point, there's too many, like I'm looking at Valdez or Logan Webb or Max free Logan Gilbert, like where he's at that pocket for me is starting pitching. So um, that the, the fact that I'm looking for pitching in that area and that there's so many questions still unanswered for him. I just, I'm staying away for now. Can't blame you on that coming off. Maybe it's not a career year, but a resurgence year. And I think, you have to be trepidatious at that ADP right now. Marty, um, let me ask you a question. If he signed with the Phillies and he was in their outfield, would you take him there? I'm not going to say the Dodgers because I think they're stacked, but the Phillies. 
let's, I'll put it this way. The way I did this exercise is that I was imagining I'm only going to draft one team and this is my one team. I would not do Bellinger, but if I'm doing 10 drafts, I want to get maybe two, three shares of him because yeah, it, it, depending where he lands and the, the upside of the speed at first base, 20 bags, you know, that's something at first base. Um, so it's that mix for me. Yeah. So Cody Bellinger, someone maybe again, uh, we should be a little bit scared of to draft at this point. I, that's who I feel. I feel the same as Marty right now. The sixth is way too rich for me going right just outside the top 50. So if you're in a 50 or uh, a 15 team league, he's going in round four. Uh, I'm, will gladly pass on that. I don't think I will have any shares of him. If he does it again, it won't be on my team. So, um, it, it's an easy pass for me. I'm right there with you, Marty, but. There's a player that's going two spots below him that also had an amazing season this year, really put his name on the map in Christian Walker. And I'm curious to see here, because uh, I know that, Doc, you do not like Christian Walker. This is somebody that you feel like you don't want to draft at the seventh first baseman off the board. Yeah, I think Christian Walker, when we look back at his career, we can say that 2023 was the best one there. Career high, 103 RBIs, 71 extra base hits. 33 home runs, which isn't a career high. He actually hit 36 the year before. But I look at some of the other categories in a Roto League. He had 11 steals at 32 years old. He had 12 in his career leading up to that in 545 games, and he had 11 in 137 last year. I don't expect him to repeat that going into 33. He had a 258 batting average last year, which was the second highest in a full season he's played. The uh, other high was 259. And I think overall, the Diamondbacks achieved. Yes, you can look at them going to the World Series. They got in as a wild card team, but Cattell Marte had a resurgent year. I know that they have some table setters in Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas that will likely get on base. And Christian Walker will have more counting stat opportunities, but I just don't see him giving you the stolen base upside, nor the batting average last year. So really, then you're banking on home runs and RBIs. And you think it was a no chance he can do anything like he did last year? Like You think this was... I mean, one- I mean, I could see him having 29 homers, 87 RBIs, five stolen bases, but I wouldn't feel comfortable taking him as the eighth-ranked first baseman. I mean, again, I... I- I'm not saying I am overly in love with Christian Walker, but I mean, if you look at his numbers, he had a sub 20% K rate each of the last two seasons, a league average walk rate. The batting average seems pretty consistent. He seems like he's a pretty much going to hit somewhere in like the 240s, 250s as he's done each of the last three years. If you look even before that in 2020, it was 271. But again, let's say maybe like 250. Uh, Again, just look at his numbers all across the board. The expected batting averages, actual, he, he seems very consistent. That's the part that I'm kind of like, maybe we do know what we're going to get here. Like, this is somebody that, you know, the ground ball rate stayed in the 40% time, uh, 40% each of the last three years. Fly ball rate last year actually was the highest it's been by 2%. Uh, so here's, strike my, rate. here's my thing. Do you think where his ADP is right now, you're drafting him at his ceiling? Because I think we see some regression in batting average and we see some regression in steals. I do think you know what you're getting in terms of power and RBIs and somebody that's not going to strike out. But what is what was his uh, what was his finish last year at first base? 
Um, That's a good question because they're not drafting him at your his ceiling if he finished as a, I think I'm pretty sure he was a top five first baseman last year. Yeah, he, he, was he was fifth. He was fifth. So he was. So you're not drafting him at his ceiling. You're actually but, getting a discount based on last year. But his his draft price last year was I'm trying to remember about like 150, 160, one maybe 130. I'm trying to remember. This is a this is a premium from last year's draft price for sure. You yeah, look at his going, max pick right now, which is 111. I would take him in the 105 to 110. But I don't think I would take him the min pick at 55 and ADP at 90. Like Marty said, I feel like I'm going to go hitter heavy this year, and I'll probably attack pitching in this range. Again, yeah, I think that's a good point. Well, you know, seeing how you want to do your strategy and players that are available to you. He's the type of player where, like, if I haven't gotten a first baseman yet and he's in that range, I definitely, I think, will make a point to target him. Am I going to be like, I'm going to have all the Christian Walker? Probably not. But he's someone I'm not scared of because I think the skills are for real. And I think, again, you're not paying the premium of the premium where he's going in the top five like he finished last year. So I would take him over Cody Bellinger. Would you guys? Absolutely. Yeah. Depends on his signing spot. It's all about the floor for Walker. He's going to hit you 30 home runs. Like mm-hmm. that, That's what's going to happen unless he gets hurt. Um, now, Doc's exactly right. The the stolen bases are going to regress. I see probably around 5 to 7, um, not, the, not the 12 or 15. But, Doc, let me ask you this. Here's who he's going around. Um, so he, if he's like 89th overall right now, Christian Walker, like somewhere around there, uh, five picks before him is Kyle Schwarber. In a vacuum, who would you rather have? Walker. Okay. And then after him, uh, Brian Reynolds. Brian Reynolds. Okay. And then Bregman and Arenado are after him as well. So, I mean, you're, you're, oh, paying, you're, you're, paying, you're paying a price for Walker. I, I agree with that because over Bregman and Arenado at third base, I don't know. I think when we get to the third base, I think Arenado's being slept on a lot this year. And, and we'll we'll talk about it too, but first base I feel like is relatively deep. There's a lot of guys I agree. beyond the 20 range that I like. Yeah, I, I mean, it again, depends on how you'll draft, but I think he is somebody that isn't being – he's definitely got a bump, but I don't think he's being as bumped up as he could be. I think he's, he's perfect in an auction. I feel like in an auction you can get him at a really good price. Yeah, he'll be someone people forget about, and then you get him later for cheaper. He's without. not a sexy name. No. Maybe a sexy player, but not a sexy name. Elsie, let's on that note we'll go to you for your player that you're disliking here. Yeah, I, I'm now I, I, I'm going to dislike Spencer Steer at his draft price. Spencer Steer, one thing you love about him is his positional versatility. You can slot him in at first. You can slot him in at third. You can slot him in in the outfield as well. That definitely ups his value. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why he's going at pick 107 as the ninth first baseman off the board. However, I think with with Steer, one of the things that you have to look at him from last season, he was uh, an accumulator. He had 665 plate appearances to produce uh, about 160 runs plus RBIs, with 23 home runs and 15 stolen bases. So he is a first baseman that gets you some speed. He gets you a little bit of power. He he's he's he has a decent batting average. My problem with Steer, and it is my only problem with Steer. I have him on a few teams because I in drafts that I was in, he went. I got him at pick like 130. I got him around there. 
um, Steer uh, is going to be fighting with that Cincinnati uh, stacked ball uh, lineup for playing time in ways that I'm not sure he had to last season. When you start to look at uh, at their infield, they have they signed Heimer Candelario, they have McLean, they have Ellie De La Cruz, they have CES, they have him. Right, I forgot now. Jonathan India. Jonathan India, yeah, I forgot Jonathan India. That's another person. So they have mm-hmm. six infielders for four spots. They have on in the outfield. They have T.J. Friedel. They have uh, Will Benson. They have Jake Fraley. They have Spencer Steer. They have Stuart Fairchild. Um, there's, you know, he's he's probably going to play outfield more often than he plays infield with all the infielders that they have. But they also they still need to get ABs for Fraley. They need to get ABs for Benson. They need to get ABs for Friedel. I think six sixty five. I think you're going to be dropping down below six hundred plate appearances for Steer this season. Um, and as someone who's an accumulator, the 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 loss of you know ten percent of his plate appearances is going to hurt his stats on the on the overall. Now, and in, in something like a, a draft champions. Um, where you really like that versatility, you really like the fact that he's injured, you can move him around. And well, on any team that he's injured and move him around, I think that does add to his value. But I, but I do think you're going to see a, a reduction in his plate appearances, and because of that, I'm not liking him. If I'm going for a first baseman, I'm not liking him in the first, mm-hmm. you know, seven rounds, seven eight rounds. I know you guys brought up Jonathan India. I would be shocked if he's on the team next year, but it doesn't take away from the point you're bringing up, LC, that it is crowded in Cincinnati. And, you know, them bringing in Heimer Candelario only hurts that problem right now. None of it has made any sense. No. And I think Spencer Steer is a good player, um, but right now there's just too many obstacles for him, I think, inside the top 10 um, to any type of replication from last year. Again, uh, the numbers are great. And he, I'm happy for him, even though as a Twins fan, I was upset that he was trade, uh, he traded him. But, uh, I, I just, I think you saw the best case scenario last year. Do we agree with that? That probably like that may have been his career year. Is that, or is that fair to say? Let me ask you guys, how much do you think positional flexibility factors into ADP? Do you think it's something that weighs more in the later rounds? Um, do you think having three spots? Just kind of opening that up. For me, it's, I would say at the beginning, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, the first five rounds, I'm not thinking about it. But like, yeah, I think like once you get like into the 10, between like 10 and 20, I think I'm thinking about it a little bit. Um, but it's always just the tiebreaker. Like if I'm between two guys and I'm like, well, I know middle infield drops off after this. So I'm going to scoop up, you know, Brandon Rogers mm-hmm. um, or so whatever it is. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I think. At the end of the day, you you want that, but I don't think early on it's something that people consider as much because they want the players that produce the stats they want more so than always the position scarcity. I, I think outfield is fairly known to be very scarce this year, so like that mm-hmm. that you know they are early on if you can get like an Acuna or you can get a Julio Rodriguez, you know someone like that to give you five categories and stabilize a weak position. You're going for that, but I think. The position flexibility is something people consider more 
the middle towards the end of the draft as opposed to early on when they're looking for players with the stats that they're looking for. Like you ch- you're chasing steals, you're chasing power, you're chasing that type of stuff. You're looking for that over position flexibility. That's at least how I view it. I, 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 I think with someone like Steer, I mean, well, you look at Bellinger has position flexibility. I think more often than not, you're putting Bellinger in the outfield um, if you're drafting him there. Uh, first base, if you want to, if you, if you didn't get speed in your, in, in the, in the top of your draft, let's say you went with, uh, a, uh, a, 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 you know, pitching at the top of your draft, you could put Bellinger at first base and kind of sneak some, some steals there. With a guy like Steer, though, the reason why I think he gets bumped up because of flexibility is because he's in the seventh or eighth round. And let's say you don't have a first baseman or you don't have a third baseman. Like he fits, he plugs one of three different holes at that point. Like, oh, I need a third baseman or I need a first baseman or I'm low on outfielders. Like that's why he gets, you're not drafting him because of the position flexibility. You're drafting mm-hmm. him because you need his position and, and he happens to fit into three. You know what I mean? Does that make yeah, sense the way I put it? It yeah. does. And, and I think it plays into what Doc was saying. His third base is shallow. What we're, he, no one at that point is getting him as your first baseman. He's going to be your third baseman. That's right. what we're seeing. Yeah. Let's, let's put a pin in this. Let's move on to the next range of players here. And these are the players that are going in the 11 to 20 range now. So we have Spencer Torkelson, Salvador Perez, Yandy Diaz, Josh Naylor, Christian Encarnacion Strand, Alec Bohm, Vinny Pasquantino, Isak Paredes, Reese Hoskins and Nathaniel Lowe. Nathaniel Lowe, Doc, is somebody you're, you love the last player here on the list in Nathaniel Lowe on an improving Texas team that just won the World Series. Tell us why you love him. I'm sure draft price pays a factor in, but what about his game you really love? I mean, he's the 20th ranked first baseman. I feel like when a team wins a World Series, everybody gets a bump. I feel like he got a, a, a bump down. So when you look at him last year, he was 12th in RBIs for first baseman, which is 80, uh, he had 82, which is actually more than Goldschmidt. He was fifth in run scored, eighth in batting average. So three out of the five categories, he's higher than where he's ranked. He was 19th in home runs. So one above his current draft spot. So really, he's not giving you the, any steals, which you're not really expecting from first baseman anyway. By the way, six in OBP for first baseman. A career high 12.8, uh, walk percentage, a career low 22.8 K percentage. He's missed 11 games in the last three years. Roster resource has him hitting six. And when you look at Texas's lineup, Marcus Simeon, Corey Singer, Josh Young, Evan Carter, he has some talent ahead of him. And I, I don't know why. I think once again, he's just not one of those sexy guys. But he's a really good value. Now, I don't think he'll give you a high power ceiling. I don't see him hitting 27 home runs again. But I could see him hitting 22, 23, mid-80s RBIs. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, you're hoping that's like some type of floor outcome for him there. Um, but he has 17 homers, 82 RBIs. I think very much someone that uh, wasn't talked about a lot last year. Um, and there's a lot of good stuff there. Only a 9% swinging strike rate. That's going to be one of the better for the first base position in baseball. Uh, fly ball rate. I think the fly ball rate is something I would like to see more of because he was on sub uh, 25% fly ball rate and a nearly 50% ground ball rate. 
And he's actually had 50 plus percent ground ball rates each of the last two years before that. So I think that's going to be the biggest argument with him in terms of increasing his power is you got to put the ball in the air more just to uh, have a chance at that. And in his career year where he had 27 home runs, his home run to fly ball rate was nearly 23%. Last year, it was 14.8%. So again, he's got to have to hope that he has a high home run to fly ball rate with his current ground ball percentage if he does want to get those homers back up to, you know, 25 plus. So I think that's going to be, it's kind of like to me, like a discount Vlad Guerrero Jr. with the profile that he has right now. Um, but again, the 20th ranked first baseman, not bad off the board. I mean, but when you also look, he's somebody that can hit the ball all over the field. Last year, he pulled the ball 29.1% to center 40.1% and opposite field 30.8%. And that's in line with his career averages. So to me, that just shows that he's a great hitter. Yes, maybe he's not going to give you the power that you'd like, but you're also not paying for that. Again, that's why I kind of said he, I felt like he was almost like a discount Vlad in the sense that this is, you know, Vlad hit 26 homers, he hit 17, but someone that has a higher ground ball rate than you like, but has a lot of other good stats, you know, in his profile will give you a lot of RBIs, hit first, a decent 260 average. And again, the 20th uh, first baseman off the board is not too bad there for Nathaniel Lowe. But somebody in this range here, Elsie, who you like a lot, but we're still waiting to see where he's going to sign. And that's in Reese Hoskins. Reese's Pieces, as our buddy Bubba likes to call him. Reese's Pieces. He's he's a stud when he's on the field. And I know landing spot will dictate if that ADP goes up or down, depending on the ballpark and where he goes with that lineup. But right now, he's a pretty good value. I believe he is was the 19th first baseman off the board here, just above Nathaniel Lowe. Why should we be drafting Reese Hoskins? Reese's pieces, you said it. Bubba likes it. You know, uh, you look at what Reese Hoskins has provided over his career. He's a power hitter. He doesn't kill you in batting average. He has that good 12% career barrel rate, 13% walk rate over his career. Um, his zone contact rate shows that he's, he, he's not like, uh, he's not like, you know, Phantom batting average. You love the power. You lo- he's got that big boy power. I mean, he's going to hit it out no matter where he goes. It's a sweet profile, so sweet. He's almost like a sugar daddy. This guy, Reese Reese Hoskins. You call him Reese's Pieces. He's sweet like that. Uh, I like him. Uh, I think I think there's a decent chance he actually signs with the Chicago Cubs. My my favorite team. Uh, article came out just today about how uh, that could be the pivot if they do not sign Bellinger. Other articles have come out that they are targeting both for the team. Uh, I see there's a strong link with Hoskins and the Cubs. I really don't think that it matters where he signs. I think that he is, we're looking, he's 30 year old. Um, he's not too old. He's looking to establish value. It's probably just going to be a one year deal. Um, no matter where he signs. And I like that he's going at pick 204. I like what he provides as a profile with a strong batting average, strong power. And if he if he can get into that Cubs lineup, which produced pretty well throughout the season last year, uh, I can see the counting stats also following, especially with that strong walk rate, increasing his runs, and the RBIs through, to, uh, through that power. Yeah, Reese Hoskins, a nice value there as the 19th first baseman off the board. 
And he's somebody that we talked about team contacts will play a role where he does settle in ADP wise, but 30 home runs last year that he played. And uh, there's been no questioning what he's going to give you when he's healthy. So he is, to me, does feel like a value here and somebody that I like as well in that 19th first baseman range. We, we've kind of stayed at the back end, though, here, Marty. And you're going to bring us back to the front because we always don't just take the player because they're the best value in each range. We want the best player that we feel is available given their draft price. And you feel that your guy, Spencer Torkelson, is a screaming value as the 11th first baseman off the board, the first one in this range. And tell the people, you're obviously a Tigers fan, so you have as much intel on the Tigers as anybody else is going to talk about him here. Why we should be all in on Spencer, Spencer Torkelson, who had a career year with 31 homers and 94 RBIs last season. All right, that's a good uh, good cue up. And actually, last year I was not on uh, on Torkelson at all. I think I only had one team. Uh, I think it's the best ball that we all did together, and I got him late. But um, what changed for me is starting in June, Torkelson altered his entire hitting approach. Okay, number one, he elevated his swing, so he, he improved his launch angle, and he focused on strictly pulling the ball. And not only did he try to like pull the ball, um, uh, just you know. Like just in general, but he specifically would not swing at any pitches below his, like near his knees. He would only swing at pitches that are mid and up and preferably inside. So you can look at one of those zones, uh, charts of like specifically what balls he's swinging at. And you see from June on, he completely changed it. And so once he did that, from that point on, he hit 27 home runs. Mm-hmm. He barreled the ball more often than Mookie Betts, Bobby Witt Jr., Rafael Devers, and Kyle Schwarber. Okay, so I, I'm living in a world where I think his floor is 30 home runs like he did last year, and his ceiling could be 40, maybe 40 plus with around somewhere around a 250 batting average. He's had like, like around a career 269 BABIP, so he's always had uh, bad BABIP luck. So that kind of alters a little bit. I see him around, you know, around 250, and he's 24 years old. He has the, the prospect pedigree that we always want, um, number one overall pick. He played at 159 games last season, so he's good to go and play in almost every single game. And at that point in the draft, if you look at it, I don't there, and you guys can take a look and tell me, but I don't think there's one corner infielder. So a first baseman or third baseman who has a better shot at hitting 40 home runs at his current uh, ADP and not only corner infield, but maybe just in general. I mean, unless you believe in Jorge Soler or Ozuna to hit 40 home runs, those are kind of like the next big boppers down there. But um, where Torkelson's going, I think even if he hits his four, it's fine. I think I, I it's a conservative pick at that point. But I do believe there's that extra 35 to 40 home runs. Would you guys rather have Torkelson or Tristan Casas? Torkelson. Casas. He, he has better contact rates. I, he's, I'm, he's overall a better hitter. I'm with Marty on him on this. I, I like Torkelson to, to, to blow up this year. Does the lineup and ballpark factor? into what could affect counting stats? For me, yes. Potentially. I mean, yeah. um, well, for Torkelson, he's going to do what he did last year, right? And I think the Tigers team's somewhat improving. I, I don't think it's as good as Boston's um, Boston's lineup. But uh, I would definitely rather have, have him over Casas at this point. Because you going can save an extra. At this point. Yeah, but you save a round, right? You save a full round between them. 
Uh, yeah, I believe it's something like that. And, unless, obviously, things change here. But Yeah, Costas um, uh, is going in the seventh, Torkelson in the eighth. So you, you get to save one full round there. Uh, shout out to the comments from uh, Dan Mack, new to the channel, liking what I'm hearing about Hoskins. Um, and yeah. OBP, uh, the OBP is an issue for him. Art, is that, I know you brought up about Hoskins. Is that something you're keeping an eye on? Yeah, Hoskins' walk rate has had dropped from uh, where it had been the last two seasons. It was more around 11, where it had been above 15 a couple seasons prior to that. Uh, I think that that is something that, that, uh, that would, will, uh, Will play a factor in in his uh, in how many runs he scores. His batting average has stayed consistent, however. Uh, mm-hmm. So I I do like that in our game. Batting average is more important in the in the five by five roto. But I do see what the, the point he's making. It is something that you want to look look at. His walk rate still is strong though. Eleven percent is still a very strong walk rate. Um, but it's down from that elite fifteen sixteen percent he had been showing the years before that. That is something that is. That is uh, that you want to look at. I do think, though, at pick two hundred four, mm-hmm. that you know a two forty five batting average with a three thirty OBP, with thirty home run power, that's pretty strong production for a pick two hundred pick. Yeah, I agree with you there. The last first baseman I want to talk about here in terms of the love is Josh Naylor, the fourteenth first baseman off the board here, going around pick one thirty three. How do you guys feel about Josh Naylor? Because I think he is my favorite in this range. And he had a sneaky good year last year. He had 97 RBIs, 17 home runs, a 13.7% K percentage, which from first base, that's unreal. Uh, The walk rate, he doesn't walk a lot. That's going to be the biggest thing with him. But still had a 292 expected batting average. He's going to hit in the middle of this Cleveland Guardians lineup, which needed help outside of Jose Ramirez, and he's kind of come to the plate here. He had 20 homers the year before that with 79 RBIs. Gave you 10 stolen bases last year after six the year before that. I think he's someone that gets lost in the cracks here, and I think he's somebody that's going to be a top 10 first baseman this year, and you're getting him as the 14th first baseman off the board. Is, is he going to be as much of a value as you know going to the, the 20th first baseman off the board? Maybe not. But to me, I'm going to be shocked if he's not a top 10 first baseman this year and you're getting him at a slight discount. I think he's a screaming value based on his skill set and how he's continuing to improve. I'd agree. He was one of those guys that I was prepared to say that I wasn't in on this year. But David, you're right. He had a sneaky good year. There's not a lot of great pitching in the AL Central. I think for me, it's going to come down to do the Guardians want to be contenders? Because that division is essentially wide open. Do the Guardians want to add pieces or are they content with what they have? Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, they could be bringing in other things too. Uh, I do want to bring up a good point here because, um, Forrest, who are our buddy here, uh, does a lot of, uh, interacting with our shows. We always appreciate you, buddy. Um, they did get Kyle Manzardo, who is going to be in the mix here. Do you guys think he starts out the year with the ball club? Because that is somebody that could put a damper on things, even though I do think that they would put Naylor in as like a DH. He would be in every day. Um, but that is somebody that does add a little bit of an obstacle in terms of potential playing time. And people are predicting a big year for Manzardo too, just from how he was at um in, at the uh, at first pitch. I believe he had a good thing at the Arizona Fall League. So, are, are, Marty, how do you guys feel about Josh Naylor? I, I think there's room for both Manzardo and Naylor in the lineup. Um, 
The, the one thing that I'll say for the is because they're one, they're both lefties. So, um, and Naylor showed improved production against left-handed pitching last season, which had been really the biggest knock against him was that he was sort of a platoon splits kind of guy. And last season, he hit very well against lefties. Uh, so if he can keep that up, I don't think there's anywhere he's going to go. Manzardo, there's room at first base and DH for those two guys. Their bench is not strong. Uh, there's not really someone who's going to be challenging Naylor for DH plate appearances unless, unless he reverts back to his hitting against lefties that he had done before, in which case he becomes a platoon bat. Um, but I'm not betting on that happening. I like Naylor where he's going. I think it's a good call uh, by you, David. All right. Well, then let's flip to the players in this range that we are going to stay the heck away from here. and. I'm going to go to you first here, LC. You find yourself not liking here CES, the guy that was kind of setting the world ablaze in terms of fantasy when he got called up. And I think people want to be in on him this year, but we're a little wishy-washy about it. So you are out on CES at his current price. Yeah, I mean, well, you see it. Uh, if, you, if you're looking at this, the screen, the spread of his draft price as high as 70 uh, which I think is insane. He's averaged, uh, draft price is, uh, 145 right now as the 15th first baseman off the board. And for me, it's the same thing as, as we talked about steer, except CES doesn't have the positional flexibility that steer does. There's just too many, uh, too many bats to, uh, too many mouths to feel, feed on that infield. Um, and he's right now, right now, he's the odd man out. There has been some, some talk about, De La Cruz perhaps starting in the minor leagues because of how he finished the season. I, I highly doubtful of something like that happening, but I am not doubtful that if he continues to play poorly, that he goes back down. Um, CES right now, though, where he's going as a, you know, super sub utility infielder, I think that's much too high of a price for me. I think we talked about, like you said before, with the Reds players and Spencer Steer, just there's so many guys. And if someone's struggling, they have the depth to be able to play them. Noel V. Marte is someone we didn't even talk about as well that is supposed to start exactly. the ball yeah, club exactly. as well. Or, or what if they're all playing well and now he goes from 550 plate appearances down to 400? It's definitely a concern. And I think as our buddy uh, dances in the comments that he does have the upside. I think that's the tantalizing aspect of him right now is that you know he was the best hitter in minor league baseball uh, yeah he could hit 30 home runs it's possible Mm -hmm. it's absolutely possible in that ballpark so i think as he mentions you know a roster build may be determined if you want to take him maybe you take some safer players early on and you take the risk with ces hoping he turns into that top 10 first baseman or you know again the bottom could follow out or fall out and he could end up being in back in the minor leagues and struggling you know, you never yeah. know, but I, I think it, the, how risk averse you want to be or how risky you do want to be with taking CES, he's going to be somebody that you take here knowing that you have a chance for this pick to be very much have a lot of variability to it. I personally don't think I want that this year. I think there's enough that I like that I'm not going to have too much of him for the reasons we talked about. But again, I cannot, I can see the reasoning for him. But I think it sounds like for all of us, we're probably staying away at this point. Wait till the fans uh, chant, we want Votto back. And then that 
clouds up the infield even more. He's not coming back because he made that video already. He's not coming back. Yeah, but it's not like people haven't come out of retirement before. No, I mean, he's not retired. He basically was saying he's going to play for another team. Yeah, maybe he'll go to Toronto. I did want to say... Gonna, who's going to sign him? I mean, okay. Toronto. I did want to say about CES, if you do draft him, you have to build in the fact that he could hit probably 220 or 230 and still get 30 home runs. So you're going to have to pad batting average or you're going to have to pay up for catcher because you can't have two catchers hitting 220 and then mm-hmm. one or two batters hitting that. It's going to sink your batting average. Yeah, I agree with that. And on that note, I want to go to you next here, Marty, for your player that you dislike in this range here. He'd be the person I'm picking here as well. Isak Paredes. Isak, who, yeah. Yeah, he, I, I think he's, he's kind of a, I'm trying to think how I want to describe it. It's like, I think he sticks out like a sore thumb in this range because there are so many holes in his profile. And it's just one of those guys that's screaming to come back down to earth this year. And again, 31 homers, 98 RBIs. That's great. One stolen base is not great, but I don't see him doing anything close to what we saw this past year. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's, I mean, underlying uh, his power metrics, they don't buy the 31 home runs. And I know those can be fluky, especially if he, you're as pull heavy as him. Cause if you look at his spray chart, he mm-hmm. only hits home runs. Like, he only pulls home runs. He cannot hit any other way. So he's like a one trick pony. Um, so if pitchers focus on that and, you know, throw away, um, they could potentially take away a couple home runs that way. When you look at his home runs from last year, seven of them were considered wall scrapers, as baseball savant says. So, you know, they could have been easily out at other parks. And then his expecting batting average is going to be around 230. You know, so again, you're, you're going to rely on the, his ability to pull the ball to maybe get you 25 to 30 home runs while sinking your batting average. And uh, the Tampa Ray, Tampa Bay's magic, I mean, he might get 90 RBI just because of what they do. But uh, I could see if you want, if he's your third baseman, right, and you just you really waited and he's your last shot, maybe. But uh, I, I'm staying away from him. I don't, I don't like the profile. You know, as you mentioned, just pretty much pulling home runs. I would say, safe to say, it's a career year. He did hit 20 the year before, yeah. But... This is somebody with just a lot of holes in his profile and a lot of variability and at a deep position, I think there's safer plays here. So we can stay away from Isak Paredes in this scenario. Doc, I, I would be remiss to mention because I should have correlated it better when we were talking about him, but Spencer Torkelson at the 11th pick, was there a big glaring reason why you didn't want to draft him? Yeah, so... It is kind of a rich ADP for me, and Marty brought up some good points, and Marty is the Tigers fan, so he pays attention to the team uh, on a more regular basis than myself. But I look at the transition from AAA to the major leagues. The strikeout percentage has stayed the same. It's always floated around 25%, but the walk rate has decreased from 13-14 to now sub-10%. Um when you look at his MLB averages, a career 222, 302, 399 triple slash. Now, Marty had mentioned that change in his swing. Um, the last 55 games, he had 16 home runs, which would put him on base or on pace for close to 50. I know he does have power upside. If you go to baseball savant, um, it's the first time we're going to use the reference. Uh, a bull would be angry looking at his page. The barrel percentage, hard hit percentage. Average exit velocity are, are all in the red. I'm not debating the power that he has, but I think the consistency 
because the first 104 games, he had 15 home runs. Now I look at the Tigers as a team. Last season, they scored 666 runs, which was the third lowest in the MLB. Only the White Sox and the A's scored less than four runs, or less than that. So they're averaging about four runs a game. The Tigers overachieved at a 78 and 84 record. And I say overachieved because that beat all of Vegas projections lines because of their pitching. So for me, I think sometimes team success factors into that. Spencer Torkelson, I don't have any doubt, could hit 40 home runs, but I don't think he's going to help your batting average. I don't think he's going to give you any stolen base upside. And I worry about the lineup around him where it could be a lot of solo home runs and he finishes with 40 homers and like 82 RBIs. But, 40 homers, I would take that. But it's like you're drafting Kyle Schwarber. You know, do you want Kyle Schwarber? He's a better, he'll, he'll have a higher batting average. He will have a sure, higher batting average than Kyle And it's your point, the, the Tigers offense isn't that good. I think, I think they're going to be a little bit improved next year, which wouldn't be that hard because of how bad they were. But even so, he still had 94 RBI last year with 88 runs. So mm-hmm. he's putting up the numbers even with a bad offense. I, I look at the last two months. He hit 257 over the last two months. And that's, if, that's what we, that'd be great. If he can hit 257, he's good to go. Because that the but, 80th percentile in NFBC leagues is two uh, two sixty. So mm-hmm. if you're hovering around there, he's not. That means you're not hurting your batting average. I look at just the first and second half. It's two twenty eight and two thirty eight for the entirety of the halves. I see him hitting below league batting average, which was two forty eight last year. But really giving you the power, and you're hoping for the counting stats, aka RBIs. But I just don't feel good because of the lineup around him. All right, fair enough. Well, let's get off Spencer Torkelson for the but, night. Here. But I, I do want to give Marty his credit because I could see, I think he's one of the best shots to hit 40 home runs and probably the lowest ADP for it. Doc, let's close out the show and let's talk about after the first 21st baseman off the board, there's a lot of players you can pick from. You could pick the 21st first baseman, which is Heimer Candelario, or you could go all the way even deeper. Is there a player you want to stamp your name to that goes after pick 200 in the first base range that you think you'll draft a lot of this year? Look, if you had shown me this eight months ago, I would have said this Eric is crazy. And maybe it's because he helped me win a title. But that's Jose Abreu, ADP 279, the first, the 27th ranked first baseman. You know, maybe... The new environment jitters got to him a little bit. Only had one home run in the first 54 games. Hit 235 in March, 180 in, uh, or 235 in April, 180 in May. But the rest of the months, June, 292, July, 263, August, he went on the IL with a back issue. So he hit 188. Um, but the BABIP was 276. It was the lowest of his career. Roster resource has him hitting fourth and an Astros lineup that every year, seems to uh, overachieve. We always think that this is going to be the year that they fall apart. Now, Chandler Rome of the Houston Chronicle did report that Jose Abreu could take more days off. But would that be the worst thing in the world if it was to presume his health? If you knew that you were getting 140 games out of Jose Abreu and he would give you the second half production of last year, would you take that? I would. Yeah, but again... Is the second half Jose Abreu the real Jose Abreu, or is it the first half and he was again hotter in the second half? That's that's the argument here. 
that's that's why I'm willing to chalk it up. The first half could be a new environment, could be the expectations. You know, we have to remember these guys are humans too. I just don't think at 36 that his – I think Jose Abreu is a naturally gifted baseball player. He's hit for over 300 multiple times in his career. And we've seen players like Nelson Cruz be productive into their later 30s. I don't think 36 is the drop-off for him. And I think this is the lowest you've ever gotten. Yeah, you're not going to be upset that you took him you know, in this range, but – I mean, you look at 36-year-old baseball players. There's been Buster Posey when he started tailing off. Eduardo Nunez, who was in the league still when he was 36. Michael Brantley. Uh, Jason Kipnis. J.D. Martinez has been good. Paul Goldschmidt. Say that again, David. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jose Abreu Abreu had 90 RBIs last year in 141 games. For context, the year before, he had 75 and 157 games with the White Sox. The lineup alone is going to help enhance his value. Again, I mean, he's not a, a expensive player. I don't think I'm going out of my way to draft him this year. I think he showed that there it could potentially be something with the age getting up there, and that the production isn't something we could rely on. And if he's not producing, the Astros have options, and they could definitely have him ride the bench. So that's not he's somebody two seventy nine. That's round 27 if you're in a 10-team draft. We will see, but he was having problems hitting the ball hard, as we talked about, and that's something that could show that the age is starting to creep up on him. That's the only thing that scares me a little bit for Jose Abreu as the 27th first baseman off the board there. I'm now going to go to my buddy, Little Cheesecake, and he's going to tell me why he likes Ryan Mountcastle as his go-to guy here i was uh i was considering uh anthony rizzo because he's got that riz that's a new word i learned yeah you're getting hit with the kids now man i know i know i know i my my kids just also taught me the word uh oofed like i oofed that and are uh, you uh and you're gonna be glazing ryan mountcastle now i don't know what glazing means but you're hyping him up okay i'm glazing ryan mountcastle right now (laughs) um (laughs) that sounds (laughs) <laughs> I, I was I was waiting for you to wrap your head in there. Okay. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle um, had an injury last season, which lowered his plate appearances and uh, made his overall numbers <clears throat> look not uh, not as good as, as they would have had he not. Uh, he only had 470 plate appearances. But one thing that I really liked about what I saw from Ryan Mountcastle last offseason was he experienced a sizable bump in his zone contact rate. He also had the fourth highest barrels per plate appearance among first basemen uh, with over 200 plate appearances last season. Uh, so I really, um, I really like the fact that he is going to have that good batting average. I think mean, he's, he's, he's shown solid batting average. His expected batting average has been over 270 each of the last two seasons. And in his actual batting average was over 270 last season. So I think you can, you can expect a pretty good batting average from Ryan Mountcastle. I don't think he's got that 30 home run power, mostly because of the ballpark he plays in, in Baltimore. But I do think that with the strong lineup in Baltimore, you can, and his good batting average, you can expect the counting stats to be strong, the batting average to be strong. And I, I expect him to get back into the twenties and home runs. 
And as the uh, 20, what number, 24th, 25th first baseman off the board, what do I got from that? 24th first baseman off the board, round pick 241 right now. Um, I really like that. I've taken him in a few drafts myself. Uh, I like him if he can get, if he doesn't have an injury again and gets his, his plate appearances back over 600. Uh, that strong batting average is really going to help your team's batting average. It's going to produce good counting stats. Really like the Baltimore lineup. I think it's just getting better. The only knock on him is, is, is I do not think he has that 30 home run power. Uh, but where he's going as like a corner infield target, I, I really like what you get from that, uh, from that profile. I agree with Forrest here in the chat because it made me think when he commented that he needs a new team. Because right now they have so many young players, and I feel like he kind of got the short end of the stick when it came to playing time towards the end of last year. And that, that'd be one of those pieces. I would not be shocked to see him in a package deal uh, with one of their other younger players to get a, a frontline pitcher, like a right. Ryan Mousecastle and, and one of their top prospects. To I think that's a good trade. So a good trade I, for him. Yeah. So I, I will say this. It's interesting. Ryan Mountcastle's injury last year was vertigo, which it's not like it's something that's nagging. It's probably a fluke thing. Um, I did, I worked a deal with the Bowie Bay Sox, the O's double A affiliate, and we were talking about marketing strategies. And I'm not even trying to subtle brag here because we talked about doing something no, around Jackson Holiday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the marketing manager for the Bay Sox said, there's no way he's starting in double A. It's either triple A or he's starting the league the year on the major league roster. So I don't know if there's going to be a spot for him. We'll see. Again, I think this is there's some trades that are going to happen, and this could be one that we could see us open up some playing time for some of the other players, and then Mount Castle would again benefit in that regard. So we will see. And I'm sure that would raise his ADP as well. Uh, so if you're drafting now, you're probably getting it at a good discount here. Going as the 24th first baseman off the board. My man Marty, he went down, down, down to the bottom of the hill at the 29th first baseman off the board. Ty France. And he went to driveline, the new win. He went to Jared. And he's really trying to bounce back from what was a really subpar year for him. A 250 batting average with only 12 home runs. I think he wants to rediscover his power stroke after hitting 20 the year before that. Marty Ty France at the 29th first baseman off the board on a Mariners team that does not have a lot of stud hitting outside of their, uh, you know, J-Rod as they're obviously their, their big dog around there. He has the chance to be a fixture in this lineup. Uh, do you think it happens this year? Yeah, I think he's going to be fine. I mean, his ex- expecting batting average was 270. His contact skills always look good. You already touched on the fact that he's going to drive line. So that mm-hmm. could potentially help speed up his, uh, swing. Get him, um, you know, making stronger contact more often. Now, speaking about power, he had this year, last year, he had his highest max exit velocity at 112.7 miles per hour, which puts him in the 83rd percentile. So what that tells me, that power is there, mm-hmm. right? So if they can work on his, work on his swing or whatever they do, their, their voodoo magic, whatever they do over there, which I think it's in Washington. I don't know where it's at, but wherever they do that. Uh, a drive line. If they can work mm-hmm. on that and just get him hitting 25 home runs, he keeps that batting average around 270. He's probably going to, right now he's slated the bat fifth in the Mariners lineup. Um, I, that's a really good profile. There's, there's nothing sexy about it, but he's someone that you can draft. And if, if he does get north of 20 home runs, 
you can, you know, if you're at least if he's on that pace, you can keep him in. But at at his current price, if not, you can just get rid of him. I mean, you know, you're getting him like in the twenty second, mm-hmm. in the twenty second round. There's not too many of those guys you hold on uh, throughout the entire year. You know, he's a guy that always starts out hot too. Two seventy seven in May, two eighty six in June, two sixty one the first half of the season. David, a quick this or that because you you like playing this game. Uh, Ty France or Oscar Gonzalez? <laughs> Are you trolling me right now? Yeah, that was our thing last year. This is why people don't want to listen to you. <laughs> I did nothing to you, and you're coming for. I'm going to start researching all your bad takes last year, and I'm just going to start. It's just this. because we did Ty France and Oscar Gonzalez back to back. You know, Ty France did not have a good year. You're just lucky Oscar Gonzalez just was complete. Guess, guess what Oscar Gonzalez is ranked at right now. I don't even want to know. I just take a guess. Come on. Like his ADP or where like his, his ADP? Five hundred fifty. Up, up, up. <laughs> Six hundred. David, I'm throwing. Up, up, up. Seven, seven hundred. I don't know. Higher. There's no way. Seven fifty-five. That's nuts. That's not even real. <laughs> That is not even real. I'm muting myself. Way too much right now. I do want to do a shout out pick for, um, well, and Art and I were talking about this. Number one, uh, Art, did you want to bring up Rowdy? Were you going to talk about him? I, well, I do. If, if you're going late, yeah, Rowdy is going to get some plate appearances every day in Pittsburgh. If you're going real late in drafts, uh, I think he's going to get every day plate appearances and a chance to re- rebound his value. Pittsburgh's going to be looking to have him. Swing for the fences and trade him midseason. Uh, I like him. Mm-hmm. Past pick. Oh gosh, five eighty. Yeah, he's uh, really that is late. nice value. You're not getting a five hundred fifty six hundred plate appearance first baseman with the potential for thirty home runs that late very often. I really like his value at that draft. And Art always was rise with Rowdy Telez. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I was going to say uh, Jake Bowers. Just keep an eye on him because of his bail rate. He, he hits the ball hard. Now he's in Milwaukee. Um, just somebody potentially, you you know, your, your last person you might want to fill in in your utility spot if he has four games at home. Um, so I'll, I'll be keeping an eye out on him. ADP of 666. So both these guys are pretty much free um, for you to to grab in your drafts or again if you're in a league where you have fab and waivers someone just to keep an eye on early on in the season jake bowers is first base and corner infield outfield eligible too which is also nice for him um but i think that's gonna wrap things up for tonight our first base preview in the books we touched on um who knows how many first basemen tonight but a very good amount a lot of good debates and we are pumped to be back with you guys every week, all season, and bringing you tons of great fantasy baseball content. If you guys please are new around here and you want to help us out, please make sure you guys like and subscribe to the YouTube channel if you have not already. If you guys have things you would like to see on the channel, let us know in terms of fantasy baseball content because we're going to give that to you. We're also going to be giving you a lot of baseball betting content this year where we're going to incorporate that in our show as well. So if you like to bet on baseball, and you want some tips from people that are going to be uh, guiding you the right way for that, we plan on doing that as well. And we will be back next week for our second base preview, and we'll have a special guest joining us for that. But until then, for Marty Party, for Little Cheesecake, for Doc, I'm D. Mendy. 
We're going to make like a bread truck and we're going to haul these buns. Talk to you guys next week. Goodbye, David. Fantasy content.